Blog Talk Radio. This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Karen Chowton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Endurance Day on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for 11, 12, 13, episode 786. This episode is brought to you by Action Rider Tack. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love, but don't fence me in, let me be by myself. Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us here on Horses in the Morning, and I want to welcome Karen Chatton back for Endurance Day here on Horses in the Morning. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Glenn. I always look forward to our chats every month where we talk about endurance and distance riding and basically uh, sore butts. So Uh, do I. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Hopefully I have some more good stories to tell. (laughs) <laughs> I think you do. You always have terrific stories to tell. And just to remind everybody, the the second Tuesday of every month is Endurance Day here on Horses in the Morning, where Karen uh, joins us. And it's always a very popular episode. And I see that uh, there are a lot of endurance riders, judging by Facebook, tuning in this morning. So welcome. We hope you enjoy you enjoy the show. We hope you join us every other day of the week. We're here five days a week, so uh, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. A little earlier for Karen. It's, what, 7 there? 6? <laughs> 6, yes. 6 in the morning. <laughs> and it's the only time I'm really ever up this soon, unless I'm writing. Then I don't really mind so much being up quite so early, but I'll make an exception for this show. It's worth it. So you're not one of those horse people that's up at 5 o'clock out cleaning the stalls, getting everything ready for the day and on the horse by no, 6? No, it's more like 7. <laughs> <laughs> Today it was 5, though. I had to get up at 5 in order to get everything ready in time. So that's okay. Well, welcome to the world of Jamie, my uh, co-host, uh, all the other days of the week, who who is also West Coast. So you she can, complains yeah, about that pretty husband. much every day, Karen. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, I've learned how to make a nice big pot of coffee, so I'm all set. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, <laughs> well, we also have Coach Jen, our producer, with us today. Do you have a what's on today's show, or, or are we on our own? I, I do. Here goes on today's Action Rider Pack Endurance Tuesday edition. It is all about the durability of endurance. First up, a list for keeping your endurance horse, well, durable. And followed by that, a chat with Erin Storms, author of Endurance 101, her book all about starting out in endurance with the right tools and a positive attitude. 
and branding out our morning adventure, we laugh our way through the lighter side of endurance riding with author of same title, Angie McGee. So stay tuned for the phrase, folks. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer. And, of course, uh, you know, it seems like it's author day here on uh, on Endurance Day. That was kind of my, my theme for the day, to talk to book authors. Well, you know, books always make terrific holiday gifts, and we're coming into that season, so so that's exactly. good. I'm, I'm glad you did. Yeah, terrific. Mm-hmm. Well, what yeah. have you been up to over the last month? I'm sure it hasn't been sitting idle. Well, no, and, and the more my horses sit idle, the more into trouble they get. So um, I did do a 100-mile endurance ride a weekend or two ago down in, in the desert and um, near Ridgecrest. And I rode though both days, the, my brown, my bay horse, and uh, we had a really good ride. The weather was perfect. Really nothing eventful happened during the ride, except at one point we were riding along near the highway, and there were a bunch of spectators, and we were kind of wondering what they were there for, because, you know, endurance isn't really a spectator sport. So we stopped and talked to some of the people, and they were telling us that there were 100 mules coming. And we're like, what, 100 mules? What's that about? Well, apparently it, it was the 100-year anniversary of building the Los Angeles Aqueduct. And they ended up building most of it um, using mules. And the reason they did that, I was reading this newspaper article that says that the, um, the Caterpillar trailers and the steam-powered engines um, at the time couldn't hold up. They got clogged up with dirt and rocks and they had exorbitant maintenance costs, so they ended up using mules where they used 52 mule teams to carry 36-foot sections of pipe that weighed 26 tons apiece. And they built the aqueduct, which supplies the water to um, Los Angeles. And without that water supply, the city wouldn't probably exist in its present state. And so that was kind of a neat kind of thing, just to think that, wow, 100 mules... <laughs> I'm, just, place. I'm a you driver, know, I mean, and I'm I'm looking at the picture here of the 52 mule team. First of all, how long does it take to put harness on 52 mules, and then <laughs> then to get them all lined up and hooked together? And I know what it's like. I've driven four, and that, that's the most I've ever driven. I can't imagine the rain length has what it has to be to drive 52 of them. Well, I'm wondering, you know, how did they get them all trained? <laughs> because <laughs> when you're at an endurance ride. Um, if you had that many mules together, there would be all sorts of stuff going on. Well, you know, riders being run away with, and who knows what. Well, they're pulling many, many ton objects, so I think they're just tired. So that's why they're yeah, not. That could be part of it. Yeah, they were working hard. They were working hard. I think they were too tired to be uncooperative. Now, did you actually wait and see the mules come by? Um, you know, I we didn't. We saw their dust coming, and then we turned and headed the other direction. Darn it! But that's okay. You know, there were some mules on the endurance ride I was in, so I got to see some mules anyway. How do mules do on endurance rides? Um, they can do really well. They can also be stubborn. You know, it's just a matter of getting the right one. But some people do really well with them. And what happens the if you get 30 miles <laughs> in in the middle of nowhere and your mule says, okay, that's it, I'm done? That's, stuff like that can happen, you know, and then they, they, do, they can be ornery. I mean, I... I, one of my friends had a mule, and when he went to trot the mule out, the mule took off and pretty much dragged him behind like a kite, and so he's like <laughs> bouncing along the ground because he didn't want to let go. 
which you probably should have done. So, um, you know, I've seen some pretty good shenanigans from mules over the years, but I've also seen that they can be, um, you know, pretty pretty athletic. They do have a lot of endurance. So that's the first rule of endurance riding. If you fall off and, and you're holding onto the reins and your horse is dragging you over the rocks, it's probably letting go is a good idea. Yeah, you shouldn't hang onto your ass. <laughs> you're being dragged. <laughs> you should just let go. Yeah, but maybe maybe there are other folks look at it this way. They should be holding on so that they can, you know, save their ass instead of letting their ass. There you go. <laughs> Hold on to your ass. Everybody water skiing, uh, everybody learns how to water ski. It's probably how big your ass is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're bad. I know. I, you know what's yeah. funny is yesterday we had a lady from Save Your Ass uh, Rescue on. So, oh, uh, wow. We've a lot of ass talk this week. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're never in any short supply of them, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, well, so uh, how'd you do in the ride? Um, we did well. We finished both both days. I'm not really sure where I placed. The goal is really just to finish and, um, you know, and have the horse come through in good shape. We're getting to the end of the ride season. It ends at the end of this month. So, you know, right now the goal is just to finish with, with the horses being in good shape so that next season when we start over, they're all ready to go again. And it was kind of a tough ride in that it's, very flat and it's mostly all sand and so the first day Bo really wore me out holding him back trying to keep him rated because you know he's so fit and he's been doing all these mountainous rides and he's so strong you know and when he can see six miles straight ahead and all the horses he was just wanting to go 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 so I had to really put out a lot of extra effort that first day the first 50 to kind of keep him slowed down and from you know going too fast and overdoing it, but we ended up you know, having a pretty good ride both days. Well, terrific. Well, you know, a lot of uh, the endurance riders, speaking of the end of the season, a lot of the endurance riders will be making their way to where we live in Ocala, Florida. A lot of them oh, winter sure here. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they ride uh, at a couple of the forests we have here because you can mm-hmm. you can ride for fifty miles in those forests. So um, they 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 winter here, and uh, we get to see a few of them. That must be nice to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome to come over anytime, Karen. Okay. All right. It's a short trip from Colorado. Uh, sure. <laughs> That's why our time zones are three hours apart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> short trip. Well, speaking of trips, uh, one of the things you wanted to talk about in your endurance tip today was what we were just talking about is longevity and and uh-huh. uh, you know how to keep your your endurance horses going and uh, for a period of time. You know it was interesting because uh, one I, I know that uh, one of the issues with endurance horses is obviously breaking down, as in any sport where it involves a horse. Um, mm-hmm. But that's something that I guess you guys have to be super conscious of. It is, and it's one of my favorite topics, and it's always been one of my biggest goals for all of my horses, and I done really well with keeping them going long term. I've got um, Chief's got 14,000 miles. Bo's got about 73 or 400 right now. And my other two retired horses retired with um, 7,600 and 6,300. And um, Bo's in his 7th year. All the other three made it past 10 years for the number of years that they competed. 
And so, um, you know, I've learned a lot. They've all taught me an awful lot. So, but I want to go over today my top ten list for ways to help extend an endurance horse's longevity. And this is a blog off of a blog post I did a couple of weeks ago. So if people want to read more about it in more detail and look further into the topic, because I've done several posts over the years on, on this particular topic, they can go to my blog at karenchatton.com. Okay, so my first one uh, on the list is to set goals. Decide what you want to accomplish. So if you want to, you know, have your horse become a decade team, which is competing for 10 years or more, or reach 1,000 miles or 3,000 miles or whatever your goal is, you know, set a goal because it gives you something to focus on. You know, just like I was mentioning with holding bow back at the ride where it was so flat, I had to really focus on what, what is the ultimate goal here because it would have been so easy to just let him go fast. So having a goal really can keep things in perspective for you. The second and that, one is to, and a, that's a more of a long-term goal to, uh, as is. opposed to a very short-term goal. Obviously, you have your exactly. short-term goals, but they're always uh, related to the long-term goal. Exactly, and they all tie together, and, and you'll see when I go down my list. The second one is to focus, which is where you stay true to your goal. And, you know, like I just covered, if you keep, you know, keep that focus, keep reminding yourself what is it that you want to accomplish, not just today, but for the ride season and for your horse's entire career. You know, staying focused on those goals can, you know, really benefit your horse a lot in the long run. Number three, ride your own ride. And this is extremely important, and it's where I see a lot of people fail, um, it, you know, it can be really difficult. It, it's fun to ride with your friends. It's fun to get in a group. Um, a lot of horses, you know, they get really attached to their buddies and they want to be in a group. They're herd animals. And so that's why, you know, a lot of times riding your own ride is super important, you know, because a horse is that, in a group is that a big competitive. Problem for, and, is that a big problem for new riders? Because it would be so easy to just want to hook up with somebody and keep up. Exactly, especially if they're not aware of how experienced that horse that they're riding with is. You know, it might have five years of experience, and, um, you know, here's a brand-new person, and they really aren't comprehending that, you know, it's going to take me a while for my horse to be able to maintain this level of, you know, speed that we're going at all day long. And so that's why it's important to ride your own ride, which is, leads into my number four, which is be independent, which, you know, it kind of goes along with ride your own ride. But being independent is important. You need to be able to break off out of a group, keep your horse doing his own thing, and focus on you, not getting wound up with the group. So you need to learn to be independent and, you know, teach your horse that when he's, you know, on a ride, he can be just with you and he doesn't have to be in a group because once they get that those attachment anxiety things going, you're going to run into trouble getting your horse to pulse down or even drinking when other horses are coming and going. So, get, you know, getting a horse and spending time when you're training, being independent and riding alone, that's an important thing to do. Number five is watch the footing. You know, it's not just the speed that you ride your horse, but how you ride the horse. So pay attention to the footing. If it's a hard gravel road, um, take that into consideration that that's concussion and wear and tear on your horse. Always be looking for the best footing. And 
try to pay attention and move out when the footing is good and slow down when it's not. And then number six is pacing, which is also very important. And this is why I um, advocate using a GPS when you ride, because then you can um, you know, work on setting um, a certain rate of speed that you train at and condition, and then you use that during a competition to make sure that you're not going faster than you've trained. So being able to set and keep a horse at a consistent pace can be really difficult. It's something I find you know, really hard to do, and it takes a lot of that, you know, like I mentioned, focus and having goals and being you know, aware. And, Number and, seven. And look, oh, before you get off of that one, um, you know, with pacing, time awareness is, is very difficult when you're, when, you're, when you're in a different situation than the adrenaline flowing, time seems to, uh, seems to go at its own pace, and it's never what you expect it to be. Exactly. Like on, on a training ride, maybe you've trotted for 20 minutes straight, but you get in an endurance ride and, and you, look at, you look down and you realize, oh, my gosh, I've been trotting nonstop for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, so that's where, you know, it's important to kind of pay attention to all these little things, you know, and back off and to, you know, keep your horse, you know, in a comfort zone to where you're not doing more in competition than you practice for in training. Probably the best Number- ones that I've seen with that is the uh, is the eventers in, in cross country. Uh, they have mm-hmm. their watches. They have they know their times to to each waypoint, and they are very good at at keeping those times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They learn that, yeah. Yes. Number seven is elevation awareness. This is where sometimes you may train differently than you ride in competition. But when you're in a competition. It's important to pay attention to how your horse is expending his energy. So if, if there's a lot of hills on a ride, you're going to want to try to trot more where it's flatter and walk more where the horse is exerting more energy going up or down really steep hills. You want to try to make the ride as easy as you can for your horse, you know, and reduce that wear and tear. Number eight is ask, so if you're at a new ride and um, you've never done it before, um, ask the opinions of a couple of other riders about what the ride is like and ask them to show you on the map where, you know, where's the difficult parts of the trail, where do you think I'm going to need to walk, where can I move out. You know, get a couple of opinions because different people, you know, view things differently than others. Number nine, make mounting easy. If you're getting on and off of your horse often, which many endurance riders do on the harder rides where there's a lot of steep terrain, um, Try to use logs or um, ditches or corrals or whatever to stand on to help make it easier for, to mount. Because if you're constantly getting on and off and pulling the saddle back and forth on your horse over the course of a, you know endurance ride, you can really you know, cause issues with making them get sore-backed or sensitive. And also, you know, a lot of horses then get irritated and don't want to stand still. So pay attention to of places where you'll learn how to um, make it easy for yourself and for your horse for mounting. And then number 10 is stay positive and have fun. So this is where you've got to, you know, realize that your goals are your goals. And don't expect others to feel the same way as you. And don't expect other people to be obligated to keep riding with you if you're trying to do something on that particular day 
and your two horses, they aren't getting along real well. Just go back to my first part of the list and focus on what your goals are and writing your own ride. And if you need to be independent, do it. Put your horse first. If your horse is getting wound up or excited or hard to control, then you really need to go back to the first part of my list and, you know, focus on getting the horse independent and away from the group so that he can calm down and go at a pace that he's comfortable at and do your own thing because all of those things add up to, you know, having you finish the day with a happy and sound horse that will hopefully go for a lot of miles in a lot of years. I was looking at your list here, and really this list applies to any any horse discipline, any discipline that you're riding, but it also applies to life. If you, if I read these back to you real quick and think about it as as anything you do in life, set goals, whether it's your business or mm-hmm. or riding or anything that you do, set goals, focus, ride your own ride, be independent, watch the footing. That's true in life too. Uh, pacing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, ask questions. All of those things are things that apply in in your everyday uh-huh. life, in your marriage, and in, in whatever you do. Sure does, and any trail rider especially. You know, it's the same same thing. We all have the same goals for our horses, which is to, um, you, you know, to be able to enjoy them without hurting them or having things go wrong. And we don't like vet bills. We don't like having to miss rides, you know, because our horses are sore or, or, or if they're having a problem. And so, you know, these were my tips for trying to avoid, in, you know, those problems altogether, which is kind of my philosophy. It's easier to avoid a problem than it is to fix it. And you can read that whole entire blog post if you go to enduranceridestuff.com or your name, right? KarenChatton.com. Uh-huh, KarenChatton.com. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Good list. Well, I know that Thank one you. of the things we like to do here on the show, and especially this would make a, a terrific Christmas present too, is you like to do a product review at this time of day. And I'm looking at the I product do. that you're reviewing, and uh, we've seen almost every endurance rider with some version of this, haven't we? We have, because we spend so much time out in the sun. And over the years, a lot of us end up with precancers all over. And so keeping the sun off, is important. So I chose the Debrim Home Advisor, and it's spelled D-A-B-R-I-M, because they are made they're, um, a little bit larger. They go all the way around the entire helmet. So it makes your helmet look a little bit more almost like a large hat. But they, it keeps the sun off, and it helps keep you cool. It keeps your neck from getting sunburned. And really, um, you know, they really do the job. They, they really keep the sun off. Um, they wash they up come in colors, too. And they come in colors. And they yeah. have different models. They've also got just a front visor model. Um, the, the neat, unique thing about these is that they strap on so they can fit any type of visor. You, you know, slide it over the top and then pull the strap tight. And it they stay on. If you, as long as you get it snug down good, they stay on. You don't have to use Velcro because, you know, all of us have used the Velcro-type visors over the years. And after a while, the Velcro starts to not mm-hmm. stick back on. It starts to come up, and then you've got your visor flopping all the time. But these stay on. They work great. You know, if it does get windy and you don't want to feel like a kite. <laughs> I was going to ask just, you about that. Um, 
Uh-huh. That's the only downside to these is if it does get really windy, you know, it'll um, put, exert some pressure on, on your head and neck. Um, so what I've done a couple times where it has been really windy is I just reach up and I pull the, um, the little nylon strap in and release it, and then I just whip it off and then um, pin it through my breast collar. And then later, if the wind um, quits, I put it right back on just as easy. Um, so that's the nice benefit is that they are easy to put on and off, and they really they, do a uh, good job with the, the sun blocking. Do they Are they water resistant? You can wear them whenever it's raining too? Yes, you can wear them when it's raining and that's raining, and that's another nice thing. Whereas before, if you just had a helmet on and nothing in the back, the rain would just drip right down your back. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, with these, it, um, because the visor goes further down in the back behind your neck, it just goes further back beyond whatever clothing you're wearing. So you're not getting that constant drip down underneath your clothes. So, yeah, they work really good in the rain, too. It acts like a gutter. It's it's your own personal uh-huh. gutter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> <Rain> gutter. <laughs> It is. And you know what? I'm looking at these, and, of course, these are big. They go around the front, the sides, and they come, come way down in the back to cover your neck so you're not getting the sun on mm-hmm. your neck. And especially for you guys out there that are riding in the desert all the time, you know, or, or here in Florida where the sun's very bright, too. Uh-huh. But, you know, um, I'm thinking that the drivers could use these because they all wear the big fancy hats. You just cover this in glitter and, and fake flowers, and you have yourself a hat. You could. I like this. Good. You have hit upon something because, I know. Frankly, we could have a market here. I don't want you driving PT scooter anywhere without your safety helmet on, but you have that style <laughs> thing to worry about in the driving days. So you can get yourself to brim to match your, your driving helmet, and you will uh-huh. be safe and stylish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do they make like the? Uh, do they make like a straw version of this so that you know? You know, it has I've, the I've suggested that, and I know they're looking into it. So hopefully oh, really? they will. Yes, hopefully they will. Yeah, it needs to be like a mesh or something. Yeah. So that it can still block the sun, but that the air could go through it. And you know that would be great because they're so easy to put on and off. You could change your style or whatever, or your colors based on however you're feeling that day or what the weather's like. Well, these are thirteen or thirty-nine ninety-five at Action Rider Tack. If you go to actionridertack.com, Jennifer will also post it in our show notes at horsesinthemorning.com for today's episode. So they're a good price, terrific price, and a, and a wonderful uh, Christmas present. And especially if, if the person in your life has more than one helmet of different colors, you can get colors to match. They come in blue, midnight black, purple, silver gray, and Texas tan. So that's all the different <laughs> colors they come in. So get one of each, right? Depends on your mood. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's a terrific, uh, <laughs> terrific suggestion, Karen. Good. Well, let's, uh, let's do this. Jennifer is going to be getting our first guest on the line. We have Aaron Storms coming up, who is the author of Endurance 101. But before we do that, let's talk about Action Rider Tack. This episode is brought to you by ActionRiderTack.com, where you'll find the largest selection of treeless saddles north of the equator and a fabulous selection of quality trail and endurance gear. And I will add a whole bunch of different ideas for holiday gifts. Action Rider Tack understands horses because they ride too. They believe that the time spent with your horse is never time wasted. But you already knew that. Action Rider Tack has the best customer service and always answers all your questions. 
If you're new to endurance, go to the experts at Action Rider TAC for all of your answers. We want you to experience ActionRiderTAC.com, so enter this code, ACTION13, all one word, ACTION13, for free shipping on your next order. That's ACTION13 for free shipping on your next order. Go to ActionRiderTAC.com or follow them on Facebook. Just search for Action Rider TAC. They are always there for you and your horse, especially at the holidays. And I know we had talked about uh, the next episode you do in December. We're going to talk a little bit about some some uh, potential holiday gifts for endurance riders. Oh, good. So, so we'll cover that a little bit in, in uh, the next episode as well. Because that'll right. be right. Well, our, our- um, our next, our first guest. Oh, she's not quite ready yet. She's not quite ready yet. Okay. Nope, nope. She's okay. still uh, still getting set up here. So, but you can tell us okay. a little bit about her. I probably better. All right. Her. Well, she's the author of Endurance 101, which um, she calls a gentle guide to the sport of long distance riding. Erin has let's see, 2,700 endurance miles since 1999, and she wrote this book specifically for beginning endurance riders. And so it's a step by step guide. It includes um, information on, like, uh, learning why endurance is such an addictive sport, conditioning guidelines, um, how to find comfortable pack and clothing, um, learning more about nutrition, hoof needs, metabolic requirements, um, forming a bond with your horse, and how to have more fun than you will ever believe. So if you're curious about endurance, read this book. She's still getting set up over there. How important okay. is it for an? Uh, I, I think she's ready now. So let's say hi. Let's say hi to Erin. Good morning, Erin. Good morning, Glenn. Welcome to Good the morning, show. everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's very early here. It is very early. I know <laughs> we're up early this morning. <laughs> it's just like if we were doing an endurance ride, right? Yeah. I usually have a little more light in an endurance ride. It's very dark today. It is. We'll just pretend you're on 100. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's usually dark then <laughs> when we start those. All right, so tell us, um, how did you come about getting the idea for Endurance 101? Well, I I started riding endurance, oh, 13 years ago or so. And the whole time when I was getting started, I kept, asking, well, where's the book I can read that will tell me how to do the beginning parts? And and there were lots of books. Um, mm-hmm. Lou Hollander wrote From Beginning to Winning and Nancy Loving's book, and, and I read them all. But, you know, Beginning to Winning was one chapter of beginning, and the whole rest of the book was about winning. And uh-huh. I needed more than just one chapter at that point <laughs> in my life. I needed a whole book about beginning. So all these years later in I'm looking around at new riders, and they're still asking the same questions that I was mm-hmm. asking. And I was still waiting for somebody to write the book, and nobody had, so I did. Great. And, um, well, let's see. Tell us a little more about um, some of your favorite parts of the book. Well, my favorite parts to write were about the bad idea mm-hmm. theory. Um, okay. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Bad ideas. <laughs> the bad idea fairy. Um, she. Everybody knows the bad idea fairy, even if you've never called her that. You know, she's the one who runs up beside you and says, um, "Go ahead and loan your truck to that guy." You know, or <laughs> go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and marry that guy. 
yeah. ignore <laughs> ignore that blinking light kind of thing. You know, that's the bad idea for uh-huh. me. And um, and endurance riding things that seem perfectly sensible sometimes aren't. Um, and so everything. I'm afraid everything in the book that the Bad Idea Fairy has said has come out of my mouth at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's embarrassing. It's really sad. Well, and one thing I realized when I was writing the book is that one person's good idea, something that works for somebody, may not work for somebody else. Um, and exactly. that's mm-hmm. another part of the Bad Idea Fairy, you know. It's just somebody may swear you need to use this product or you will die a horrible death, and it doesn't work, you know, because, well, I don't ride the same horse as you, I don't ride the same trail as you, I don't ride the same speed as you, and it's, it's such an individual sport. Um, I wanted to encourage my readers to think. Now, sure, it, it, is, sure. it is an individual sport. You know, but I imagine that endurance is one of those sports where you need to get some help at the beginning or, or, you know, because you're doing it wrong, it's going to cause a lame horse or a lame person. It's, it's, I would imagine it would be so important to, to read the book and to get help from other, other endurance riders. Otherwise, you're, you're really flying in the blind, flying blind here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, especially in endurance, it's, it's an extreme sport, and you don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So awesome. you don't know where the holes in your education are, especially at the beginning. Um, and so I wrote the book to try and give people a, a broad base to start from. It's not the textbook. It's not do it this way. But, you know, it's, it's basics. That's what the book is. If you, if either one of you could pick a part that in the, in the very beginning with with beginners, that is you would consider most critical. Is, is it conditioning? Is, you know, what's the thing that can cause the most problems if you're not doing it correctly in the beginning, Erin? I I'm, I see a lot of beginners worry so much about getting their horse in condition that they overcondition. Hmm. Karen, do you do you find that's also true? I do. I think so. I think that's a thing that happens often. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so easy. I mean, you're so excited about the sport and the prospect of being able to ride all day that you get out there and you want to train your horse five or six hours every day, and by the time you get to an actual event, your horse is tired. Right, um, and in the past, um, there's been a lot of stuff written about conditioning programs that were kind of over the top, and I think people yeah. took them way too literally, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, like the comprehensive books that are out there, you know, not just beginning but beginning to winning kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Lou Hollander tells you about his conditioning program for winning 100-mile rides. Well, that's awesome, and and Lou's, Lou's the man, <laughs> but... That's uh-huh. not how you want to start with your, you know, 12-year-old pasture pony who hasn't gone more than four miles in a day. You you need right. to start a little easier. Mm-hmm. And, and what are your recommendations for, say, somebody starting this new ride season and they want to get their horse ready to do a ride, say, by June? What, what would you suggest? That, how would they start out? 
Oh, okay. Well, my ride season here in the Pacific Northwest, we're done with our season. We don't start again until um, the first week of April. So okay. we've got a bunch of time off right now. So this is the time when a lot of people have pulled their shoes. Um, they've, you know, I don't think anybody put their trailer in storage. That's a little too extreme. <laughs> but the first thing that we do at the end of the season, generally, I find, is we give our horses a bunch of time off two or three months, mm-hmm. of just rest. Um, so we will start up again, the group that I ride with, will start actually conditioning, not just, you know, we go out and we will do maybe a nine-mile loop and then go for lunch. So okay. <laughs> it's, it's not serious conditioning until about middle to end of January, and that's if the weather holds. You know, sometimes we're snowed and iced in until the middle of February. So when we do start conditioning, we'll go out, two or three days a week max, Mm -hmm. Um, and we will start with six-mile, a six-mile loop, and do it at a medium trot with walking Uh breaks. And what do you consider Um, a medium trot? A medium trot, well, that's, um, I'm training with a bunch of baby horses right now, so medium trot is really, really slow. It's about six miles an hour at the maximum. Okay, okay. So my horse can trot quite a lot faster than that, but I don't ask her for sustained speed. Uh Um, Because I've read Karen Chatton, and she says... (laughs) (laughs) Keep them under 10 miles an hour. (laughs) Yeah, no faster than 10 miles an hour. My horse actually comfortably trots at about 11, so when she's out solo, that's her sweet spot. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and I don't ride Narab either. That's, that's, so you what really, do you write? It's such an individual thing. I write a standard bread. Ah, Yay! Cool. <laughs> We're a big fan of standard breads here. Yeah, well, down in Florida, you would be. You've got some really, really good access to really nice horses that are not doing well on the track, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them as horses. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And how do yeah. standard breads hold? Do they do well on the distance? Sorry, Karen. Now you got. Now oh, we are almost on standard breads for a while. <laughs> um, we, I could talk standard breads all day. <laughs> standard breads <laughs> do very well. Um, they are built to trot. They really are, are a trotting machine. My horse is a pacer, um, but oh, she cool. so she she also gates. So usually when she's mad at me, um, so she'll get a nice single foot pace going on. Um, but if she really wants to get somewhere in a hurry, um, we always say in the case of the zombie apocalypse, she's not going to gallop. She's going to pace. Um, mm-hmm. But usually she just trots, and she will trot all day long. She has a beautiful, long, easy trot that keeps her heart rate low, and she just goes and goes and goes. So, yeah, and I'm a big advocate for, you know, alternate horses in the sport, Um I'm mm-hmm. seeing more and more as as the population of endurance riders gets a little older, I'm seeing a lot more gated horses. Uh-huh. Okay, when you start seeing Pasifinos, I'm going to worry. Um, oh, one of my best friends rides a Paso. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Does it take him like six times longer to get there? No, no, he and I rode 100 together. <laughs> it just looks like they're going nowhere fast. Well, they do take... We, well, of course, if you ride 100, you have a lot of time to talk about stuff. And so, and he's a math professor, so we sort of talked about, 
is taking more steps and is that a better thing or a worse thing, you know, because the concussion is less because he's taking more steps, but he's taking more, I don't know. Even with a 100-mile ride, we didn't do all the math. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't count the steps. But he finished. (laughs) He finished. He got all A's at the finish. Well. (laughs) Well, okay, Aaron. So we have a lot of listeners on this show that I think are probably interested in endurance, but they haven't done it. What do you suggest Uh for them to get their feet wet, to learn a little bit about the sport? um, What would you suggest they do? I would suggest, you know, usually when I am starting something new, I will go read the book or something like that. But I would say even before you read the book, go to a ride and volunteer. That would be my Mm -hmm. number one suggestion. Go to a ride, Mm -hmm. call the ride manager and say, what can I do to help? And then you're just immersed and you meet all the people, you see what's going on, you're actually doing something useful and contributing to the ride. People get to know you. Um, maybe you'll meet somebody who rides in your area who will say, hey, yeah, we ride on Thursday mornings. Come join up with us. We'll take you out and show you how it's done. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my number one suggestion is go find a ride and go volunteer. Um, and you can volunteer okay. for a weekend or you can volunteer for a few hours. Mm-hmm. And there's lots to do. There's a lot of oh, different yeah. things. That, that oh yeah, to be done at a ride. Yeah, you volunteers can, you can are do always everything welcome. From well, and most of the things that need to be done by volunteers, even if you've never pulsed a horse, we can teach you how to pulse a horse in 15 minutes. We can mm-hmm. teach you how to work the water, the tank, the nozzle on the water tank. That's not going to take very long to teach you how to do. So you mm-hmm. go to a ride with a skill you didn't have, and then by the end of the day, you've gained a skill and you've helped people. And you've learned some stuff. And that's Great. a pretty good day. Yeah, it so. is. Well, tell us how, if somebody were to want to order your book, how would they go about getting it? Um, well, it's on Amazon.com. And, okay. Or you can go to the publisher's website, um, which if you want to order autographed copies, it's a hard, hard it, it's a paperback book, but it's a, a paper book as opposed to an e-book. Um, okay. Amazon, of course, prefers to sell ebooks. Um, but you can go to the publisher's website, which is www.endurance-101. So it's endurance-101.com. Okay. Terrific. Or you can just you you can also Google endurance 101 horse, and it comes right up. Okay. And you're also on Facebook. I am on Facebook. We're and, frequently posting yeah. on Facebook. We have, and a, you have a, a blog. Give us that. I do. Um, the blog address is Haiku Farm. So H I H A I K U F A R M, and that's another one that you can just Google Haiku Farm blog, and it'll come right up there. Hey, Erin. Before we let you go, have a have a question for you. Does it also help you? My wife and I hate to camp. Does it also help you with the camping part? Actually, there is um, stuff about camping. Uh, about keeping your horse safe in camp and how to make sure that he doesn't go cantering off in the middle of the night. Um, and there's stories from the Bad Idea Fairy about how not to do it. <laughs> bad. I love the Bad Idea think, Fairy, by the way. I was reading some yeah. of her excerpts. She's awesome. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, and the thing about the Bad Idea Fairy, as soon as you start reading her, you go, oh, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, when we when we first started doing, what was it, three months ago now, Karen, we started doing this segment every month here on Horses in the Morning. And initially, remember the first episode, we talked a lot about camping. And that seemed to be what we got listener reaction to is listeners going, it seemed to be the thing that was holding them back the most is they don't like to camp. So, you know, if, if you, you could just like put a nice, camp. comfy hotel with showers right along the route, that'd be perfect. Well, yeah, it's not usually a hotel kind of thing, but you can go everywhere from um, Karen's living quarters rig is very comfortable. I sleep in the back of my truck. I have a canopy on the back of my truck, and I roll out my sleeping bag back there and my fluffy little dogs, and I am nice and warm and comfortable. Oh, Karen, and that is not helping me uh, really, <laughs> just not helping a lot. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a hotel kind of a guy and you need room service to survive, this may not be your sport. Okay. Yeah. See, Jennifer, you're out too. Um, we we just never gonna, succeeded very well. I'm going to become a professional Jennifer. volunteer. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a professional <laughs> volunteer. Perfect. You are welcome. Come on out. We'll put you to work. Do you have to camp when you're a professional volunteer, or can you go to the hotel after? Because that's right. Then you can. Okay. You can go to the hotel if you can find one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, here in Florida, we know that we're always fairly close to a hotel. You do know oh, that. Yeah. We have a lot of them. Yeah. That was a thing that um, Endurance 101 just got reviewed in a Dutch magazine. And one of the things that the reviewer said is, well, we don't have to worry. You know, there's a, there's a chapter um, about when things go wrong, and I focused a lot on getting lost because that's a, a fear that a lot of people have. What if I get out there and I get lost? Um, mm-hmm. Well, apparently in Holland you don't get lost because you're pretty much in prodding through towns. Um, so you could probably, if you were doing endurance over cities, you could stop for a latte, um, <laughs> ask directions. Yeah, if you're a woman, you could stop and ask for directions. Of course, the guys are just going to keep going. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I can't help you with that. That's not my problem. <laughs> that happens here, too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that brings up the question, do people get lost, or is it so well marked that you don't get lost? Sure. No, you get lost. Um, Sometimes you get lost because you're not paying attention. Uh Um, It's easy to do. You know, you're chatting with your friends. It's a beautiful day, la, 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 and you don't notice that there was a big sign that said, turn left here, Uh (laughs) dum-dum. And you try to pass it. It's always funny when the same person passes you for the third time. Yes. Yes. That has happened. So really, the hundred mile rides can be hundred and twenty mile rides for some people. Oh sure. Oh sure. Yeah. Um, well, and sometimes you know, at, at one ride that I volunteer at, we actually put up a, a ribbon. You know, we use surveying tape ribbon. We use put up a ribbon for the wind, a ribbon for the elk, a ribbon for the guys in jeeps <laughs> who thinks it's funny to pull down ribbons, and then a ribbon for the rider. <laughs> So there's four ribbons out there for every ribbon we think the riders are going to see. Yes. Well, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about the nature taking care of some of those ribbons. Well, and for some reason, elk eat ribbons. We don't know why. And and you see the clothespins all chewed up on the ground? Yes, yes. (laughs) The photographer for the book took a picture, and we didn't have to stage this one. She was out working a ride, and she said, oh, good, here's a picture of a chewed up ribbon and a chewed up clothespin, and she took a picture of it and put it in the book. So that's funny. I know that's why when we mark trail, a lot of times we try to get the ribbons up as high as we can get them. Yes. 
from the horses. Yes. It's yeah. really nice because my, my horse is unusually tall. Um, I'm a uh-huh. pretty short person, but she's very tall. So um, in places that we know that the elk are going to hit, those are the places that I have to mark because we put them up. If I'm standing up in my stirrups on my tall horse, then I can get them up high enough that the elk can't reach them. And then who gets them down? I have to go get them down again. You have to go get them down, too. Yeah. So there are are some years when my horse and I will be out working the week before a ride, and we'll do almost 100 miles of trail work. And then we go do the 50-mile ride. And then after the ride, I have to go unmark that one loop where we have to put the ribbons up high. So, okay. She did. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time for you, Erin, and I want to thank you for joining us. And well, thank you. Again, just real quick, just real quick, tell us again your website address for your book. It's endurance-101.com, or you can Google Endurance 101 Horse, and it will come up, or you can find me on Facebook, Endurance okay. 101. And thanks so much. Well, terrific, and thanks for joining us, and I'll see you thanks. on Facebook. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Erin. Thanks, Glenn. Well, you know, Karen, this would make a terrific holiday gift. Uh, you know, if, if you have somebody in your life that's thinking about getting, as a matter of fact, I think I have somebody in my life I might be getting, buying one of these for. Um, but if you think about, you know, somebody in your life that maybe want to get started, this would be the perfect holiday gift to get them thinking about it. And at Christmas time, gives them time, you know, January, February, March to, uh, to, start, to start in on it and actually do it 25 maybe come April. Mm-hmm. It sure would be. Well, let's idea. talk a little let's, – let's talk – before we go to our song, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Renegade Boots and why you like okay. them. Okay. Okay. They're one of the show sponsors as well, and I've been using them for several years now, and uh, I've had really good success using the strap-on boots. I've even ridden Tevis in them and ridden several other 100-mile rides, plus a lot of multi-days, and actually, you know, thousands and thousands of miles in them, and I'm really happy with how well they work. They're easy to use, easy to put on, easy to remove. They come in um, several different colors. And they're made in USA, which I like. And the horses seem to go just super good in them. And um, later on in the show, I'm going to mention some of the events coming up. And at one of these events, I'm going to be talking and doing a little bit of a clinic on hoof boots and showing how to size and measure. For those that are listening, if you want to learn, you can go to the renegadehoofboots.com website. And they've got... um, you know, photos showing how to measure with instructions. And on YouTube, there are also quite a few videos that show how to measure, how to make adjustments for the boots, and also people riding in the boots. And you can see how well they do work. People ride through all different kinds of country and terrain in them. And they stay on, you know, if you've got a good fit, they stay on through, you'd be surprised at the stuff that they stayed on um, through with my horses. And they last a really long time. You can get at least a few hundred miles out of a set. I've got a set this year that I've gone um, over a thousand miles in um, with my horses, and they're not worn out yet. Now, do they, do they, uh, I know they have glue-on ones available, studded boots available, so they have all different types of boots, but do they, one of the problems with hoof boots, uh, you know, that you're trying to use because your horses are not shod, your horses are barefoot, mm-hmm. um, is, is rub marks. Do these, ha- because of the way they're designed, have less r- in the rub mark department? 
Exactly, because the captivator moves with the horse. So it's not moving, you know, the horse's pattern and joint isn't moving against the boot. It's moving with it. And so it's very seldom that you will see any horse getting a rub from these boots, which is why they are as popular as they are. Um, I, you know, I can't even remember having a rub with them on either of my horses, even on multi-days. Um, you know, it's very, very rare. Um, you know, if you do have a paw bomb, it probably because you're using the wrong size boot and maybe it twisted or something. You know, most of the time with, with any host boot, it's the problem, you know, people want to blame, and parents riders especially always want to blame something if they have a problem. But more often than not, the problem is user error. It's not the product. It's the, the problem. And that's what I found with Renegades. If I ever have encountered a problem, it was something I did wrong. I wasn't paying attention, or I put the wrong size boot on. But when I get them properly fitted, they work just wonderfully, and they are really easy. And that's RenegadeHoofBoots.com. You can find uh, all the different information. I'm, I was just over on the sizing tab, and you're right. They have terrific pictures how to measure the horse's hoof to mm-hmm. get exactly the size boot that you need. So. Check it out, renegadehoofboots.com. And you forgot to tell the most important thing is they come in nifty colors. Thank so. you. I did mention colors, but I didn't name all the colors. I think there's about eight different colors. Yeah, and I was looking they, at the different ones. They got orange, which you use, orange, red, yellow, uh-huh. brown, some kind of burgundy thing, uh, green, uh-huh. you know, black. They have all different kinds of colors. Very red. fun. And they're so mm-hmm. cool looking. They look like something out of Star Wars. Uh, they are, and you can order them if if you want and mix and match. So the the bottom part of the boot is one color, and the captivator is another. Oh, really? Uh, you know, of course, it's, I didn't know that. It's gonna, and that's kind of interesting. I've got friends that have done that specifically so they can tell the sizes apart. Oh, or that's a good idea. Apart on their horses, you know, and of course, there's a lot of other ways you can mark boots with ways to tell the sizes apart. Because what you know, we're out there in the morning in the dark putting boots on and sometimes you know it's easy to get them mixed up and and so that's the cool thing with the colors is that you can kind of avoid that as long as you can remember which color goes on yeah which well you, you have to stick with something <laughs> consistent like red on the right white on the left yeah. just like the flag yeah yeah <laughs> you, like you, the could, you could end up with you know four different colored boots if you wanted <laughs> <laughs> renegade who food stuck Um, All right, let's take a break for our song for today. And I thought I would share with the endurance audience our favorite song here on Horses in the Morning. And it's uh, how we met her and we've become good friends with her. And that's Templeton Thompson. We met her because of the song Girls and Horses. It's the first song we ever played here on Horses in the Morning 800 episodes ago. So we're going to share that with you. And then we're going to come back with more guests, Angie McGee, about her book, The Lighter Side of Endurance, right after this. Talks about them, dreams about them, thinks about them all the time. She's got to have them, be lost without them. You can see it in her eyes. What is it? What is it with girls and horses? 
And that was Templeton Thompson. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. I am Glenda Geek here with Karen Chatton and Coach Jen is in the in the producer chair today. And of course that was Girls and Horses. You can find all of Templeton Thompson's music over at TempletonThompson.com. Well, Jennifer, tell us about a product that we think is going to become the number one product for endurance riders across the world. Well, one of our sponsors today is High Visibility Products, something that I use and am very familiar with. High Visibility North America are the distributors of the UK's number one high visibility performance sportswear range for equestrians, horses, and canines. Now, you'll notice I said performance sportswear. This is not the day glow stuff that you see the Department of Transportation folks wearing. Equisafety is sportswear supplier to the UK, to numerous mounted police forces. They have thousands of equestrians, and even the Queen's Household Calvary wear this stuff. And it is now available in the United States and Canada, thanks to HighVisibilitySportswear.com. The Equisafety range is not only functional in that it will keep you safe and easily visible, whether you are in the woods or during hunting season or riding down the road or out on the trail, but it is fashionable meaning that everyone from eventers to dressage folks to western riders and endurance riders who love fashion love to wear it. The range has everything from winter jackets to lightweight vests suitable for year-round use, like I have, 
and it has already appeared on Dan James, who is the writer, the horse, Road to the Horse Champion for 2012, and also on Kim Gentry, FEI dressage writer. So visit them today at highvisibilitysportswear.com, or you can follow them on Facebook at Equisafety. Very good. That's uh, highvisibilitysportswear.com. Well, Karen, our next guest we had to catch up with uh, a couple days ago because she's actually out on the trail this morning, but tell us about her. Okay. We have Angie McGee, who is the author of The Lighter Side of Endurance. She is from Tennessee. Actually, I think she lives in Georgia and has been writing Endurance since 1987 and has over 7,600 miles of endurance. She also writes for Trailblazer Magazine. Each monthly she does a, um, a lighter side of the trail article, which um, are really entertaining and always funny. She's got a great sense of humor. And, you know, she's a, um, you know, quite a character. So um, this is our interview with Angie, and we are happy to have her. Hi, Angie. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. We're going to talk a little bit about your book, The Lighter Side of Endurance, and also some of the articles you write for Trailblazer, The Lighter Side of the Trail. So give us a little bit of an overview about your book. When I started doing endurance and I was pitifully poor, I really wanted uh, Trailblazer Magazine used to offer a free, free subscription if you got published. So I sent an article in and got published and got my first free subscription. <laughs> and then I did that about three more times, and they finally noticed this the same person sending it in every time, and they called me and hired me. And so once I got on the payroll, it was just that was uh, that was one entry fee a year, kind of that was covered, and just kept writing for them. So after 20 years or so, there were enough articles together to put together a book. And what is one of, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, maybe one or two of your favorite stories. I think the key, the, the key to endurance is to, or not endurance, to humor, is to do enough wrong yourself that everybody <laughs> sees themselves in it. That's why and, people say I'm so funny. Because I've basically I, screwed up my entire life. <laughs> That's what you're if saying, I Angie. At this, <laughs> if I were better at this, I never could have written the stories. You know, People don't realize that every that anybody else did it. They think they did they weren't seen when they did that thing wrong. When you you know when you throw the sponge, and you know you, you watch other people who who could sponge on the fly, and you think I can do this, and you <laughs> go out there with this thing tied to your wrist, and you throw a sponge into on the rope in a mud hole, and the horse keeps that coming back up, and now you it, any roper who has done something stupid like. I think it would be a good idea to dally off to a, a propane tank, which I talked to someone the other day who'd done that, knows kind of what it's like to be tied to a sponge that comes after a horse out of a mud hole. <laughs> and so once it's happened, if you describe it well, everybody has a memory. Or I think I've saved a lot of people. <laughs> from <saying laughs> a, a lot of things that I thought was a good idea at the time, uh, they've had a chance to read that. And I think I think my book has probably saved more lives than it's called people's lives. <laughs> well, that's, and it must be entertaining. Karen, tell the story you, you told me about your husband before we started. Um, I gave, Angie, I gave um, your book to my husband to read. Who's, and and now, that, your husband's a horse husband, right? I mean, well, he, he's a horse husband, yeah. but he, he's, you know, kind of just along for the ride. He's real supportive, but he's not a 
big fan of horses. So um, I called him up at work this morning and I said, well, did you read Angie's book? And he says, well, I started to read it. But you know how I am about horses and horse stuff. And I said, yeah. And he says, but this I kept reading. It was so funny and so true. I couldn't stop reading it. Well, great. That's so so he, Bill, he, he um, that's high praise from him, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, my husband is, um, he rode until I started doing endurance. And his argument is he doesn't want to get up that early. <laughs> and he's really just, Bill doesn't see what the hurry is. You know, he, he when he gets on a horse, he just wants to, to go somewhere and look around as he goes and enjoy himself in this business of hurry, 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 hurry. just doesn't appeal to him. But he is a, a pro at waiting, which makes him just the best <laughs> crew in the world. Because he, he can just sit there and just chill and be totally relaxed and, and enjoy it. So he's been, he is a very good um, example of the other side. The, the guys like your husband. Who, I, your husband is probably like mine. I will say my mother once, she said, Bill, does, does it not bother you that every Saturday she leaves? Because, I mean, my mother was just always there waiting on my dad. And Bill just looked at her and he said, every time that truck and trailer goes down the driveway, I think, off day. That's, <laughs> so, right. That's right. That's what I was thinking, too. That's football yeah, watching time. There's a lot to be said for having a wife with a habit that isn't just saying, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? He knows what we're going to do today. And, um, <laughs> Now, you know, I got to say, though, you know, I'm a horse husband, so I've been I've been through everything your husbands have been through. But it has to if you're going to be a horse husband and be sort of half into it, um, do not choose an endurance rider because they spend longer in the saddle than anybody else. (laughs) Well, I mean, that that, okay. he enjoys camping. So there's there's that. Oh, and you got to like that, too. That's the other thing. You got to like camping and. The business is we really can't have too many horses. I mean, I mean, you can't. It's not good to have. You can only train so many. A show person can have a field full and get started breeding, and that's even worse. Oh, I mean, that's, that's true. You know, you yeah. can end up with thirty. An endurance person, if I can't ride it till it's five, I'm not going to raise it from a baby. And <laughs> then, if you know, we how many hours a week can I ride? Two horses are all I can condition. So. Mm-hmm. Really, endurance is good for keeping us down on our numbers. See, I'll be a salesperson for endurance for you. <laughs> um, there's a lot to be said. We don't have to have that special outfit. Uh, we we tear up everything we have, so you can't buy anything nice. And it's uh, <laughs> and the horses, expensive horses are just cursed in endurance. You don't touch them. Uh, that's that's just every horse has to have a story. Is the thing in endurance. So well, tell us, how, tell us how you got started, Angie. Well, I mean, now I had read about it in high school and thought that would be a thing for me. But as far as I knew, it was in you know, California that all endurance rides are secret except tennis. We keep all the rest of them just it's a secret society. Nobody knows when they're going on. And so you just knew about tennis. And I would see that every year and say, wow, if I was in California, I'd do that. And a friend of mine accidentally found out about one within two hours. And at the time, my horse that I'd had for 11 years, who had never gotten tired, and I was just tired of circling back with all the other trail riders. 
you know, we would go up front, circle back, go up front, circle back. She was always leaving them. And um, I said, well, I guess I'll just have to do and do it. But I was, uh, I had an eight-month-old baby, and a husband worked 56 hours a week. So I made the mistake of looking in the book, the training manual. Boy, they, those are all odds. Okay, anybody who reads how to do endurance in a magazine and thinks that they don't have 40 hours a week to ride, it's all odds. That's just how lame remorse those things. And um, but I got started. I was riding before dawn, and I'd be back home by 7.30 a.m., and I would train five days a week for six months to do one ride a year. <laughs> that was the only ride I knew about. I mean, I trained. Every day, you know, I just broke down more horses trying to follow all those, the training manuals. But the thing about endurance is, you know, all you need is the goal. You know, you don't have to go to a ride every week. You don't have to go to a show every week. You've just got this goal. You're going to do this ride, and you got to ride. And it keeps you so busy and for so little money. <laughs> it's not like you have to go to a ride every weekend. So um, I was just hooked. Once I started, you know, I just couldn't stop. And... <laughs> and I would train, and I thought two hours is as far as I could drive. I, I don't know why I had a horse trailer for 10 years. But as a kid, you don't, you do local shows. Two hours is as far as, that was my limit. That's, well, that's, far about, all, that's about all the distance parents want to take you, too. So, well, uh, I tell you what happened. What was great was the ride manager to this other ride. I saw it on a schedule, and it was listed as Huntsville, Alabama. That's two hours away. And I thought, well, I can go to that one. And then I headed out. And drove for four and a half hours before I got to this place. That was the ride manager's address was Huntsville. The ride was two and a half hours farther. And it was just an epiphany. I could go four and a half hours to a ride. And it, suddenly I had like six, seven more rides I could get to. So, the best thing that ever happened to me. But, uh, you, you just you get into it kind of like that one step at a time. And that one was an accident. I, I found out that I could go four and a half hours away. So I was... Really, it's it just, I had tried, I, I failed at everything, okay? As a barrel racer, I was kind of like a bowler. I could knock down all three barrels really well, but fast, you know? Uh, as Western Pleasure, I just couldn't imagine why you want a horse to go that slow, and I didn't know how to make them do it. <laughs> hey, by anyway. the way, I still can't imagine that. Uh. Well, I mean, you know, I, I was, I'm, I'm the fifth kid of six, okay? And I just managed to get the pony. And that was it. You know, they just, I was free range. And so I didn't really have a mentor and did, I mean, I, I have so many more stories left. If I just flip back to kids on ponies of things that never should have happened. And I um, didn't, I, I read every magazine there was. I can, if you could hypnotize me, I could tell you how to teach a horse to do rollbacks, spend everything else, because I've read it all. And just none of it stuck, but endurance made sense. And that one never looked back <laughs> once I got there. And it made sense for the horse, too. He's like, yes, let's go. Well, where did you get your sense of humor from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the fifth kid out of the family of eight. Uh, she got beat up a lot. <laughs> no, oh, no, they couldn't take me. Um, <laughs> you, you, my dad, my dad is... Uh, he definitely was, was always the, the clown, and I guess I idolized him. But uh, he, he was a good and still is. And so I have had quite a few people tell me, you're a chip off your dad's shoulder. But it's, 
if it came from anywhere. But then again, you got to see humor and stuff when you're when you do as many things wrong. <laughs> I got to I got to tell you, like your last article in Trailblazer, uh, titled "Give Me Forty Acres and I'll Turn This Rig Around." Um, Every word of that, totally true. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's it absolutely. Is. I mean, there's not. That, that's the beauty of it. I don't have to think this stuff up. Right. I mean, am I the only one? No. No, no it's, it's, I think it's you're true. the everyone in that case. <laughs> that's, that's why it's so funny. It is. Um, w- let me read one of the ex- excerpts from that article, which is um, really hilarious. Starting with, nobody ever really worries much about whether they can pull a rig forward. For the most part, rigs just follow you around. If you can learn to swing wide, you've got it. If you don't learn to swing wide, you get used to jumping curbs and cutting tires when your trailer drops down on culverts or peeling fenders on the posts that protect gas pumps from people like you. My wife did that. <laughs> exact I've done, well, I've thing. Done all three. <laughs> I have cut the tire. The first time I pulled the gooseneck. And see, I was thinking so hard. I was concentrating. Swing wide, swing wide, swing wide. And I did. And I pulled up perfectly to the pump. And I looked down and I said, crap, this is a diesel. And cut sharp and hit it over to the diesel pump. And that's when I did it. Oh, now, I, I think, I think <laughs> if you, we took a poll right now of everybody that was honest, uh, anybody that has driven a trailer through a gas station has hit that <laughs> that concrete post. Uh. Well, the beauty of it was that I was so angry. I had the adrenaline to pull the aluminum back out from the tire, which I didn't realize at the time was impressive, but I sure couldn't do it later. But, man, I grabbed all that thing and I yanked it, and it was back out because uh, it wasn't my trailer. <laughs> Hey, I got to tell you, too, your book, The Lighter Side of Endurance, we were just looking, mm-hmm. and if anybody wants to get a copy, we should probably tell them how to do it, Karen. Well, if you go to Amazon.com, you can buy them new for $538.98. I've got to figure out how to get in on that. Um, I don't know why. I well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's an exception to the rule. You can buy the used one for 115 to $294. So I don't know. How, that's yeah, the hey, bargain. I'll sell you one for, for $99.99. Now, truly... I have the book is sixteen ninety five with postage it's twenty, and it's for sale through several of the endurance uh, pack places. Plus, I sell them personally. I never put them on Amazon because they take half, and I don't have, you know, I've I've I sell plenty from home. And Angie, so, Angie, I know you're a horse girl, and sometimes horse girls have trouble with math. But if you're selling books at 115 to 294 dollars and you get half, that's still better than 20 dollars. So I would love to know how many of those they have sold. Well, I got to really, tell you, I just I just looked on eBay and they're they're <laughs> ranging from 115 to 267 dollars. Man, somebody is making a lot more money just than I am. <laughs> I gotta figure that. I tell you what, if there's any ride managers out there, I'll trade you a book for. I give you two books for a ride entry. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and they can, and make they money. can sell them on there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, really, I'm not a very good business person. I just don't have time for it. Like, I think about it. I'm gonna get it straightened out, and then somebody needs ridden, and bam, <laughs> you know, you just well, this has been fun. We're about out of time here, Karen. Was there anything else? Um, well, Angie, if somebody were to want to order a book from you, how would they get in touch with you? Okay, you can go by email to rides, R-I-D-E-S, number two, 
at Juno.com. So that's rides too far at Juno.com. I'm Angie Cresswell McGee on Facebook. You're welcome to contact me through there. Uh, you got time for the right for the address? It's 138 Walker Road, Wildwood, Georgia, 30757. I couldn't have guessed and that I'll you were from the south. And I'll take a personal check. <laughs> I trust all horse people. <laughs> well, this has been fun, and I, you know, I hope people do uh, try and find your book. You don't have to go to Amazon. Angie will only charge you ninety nine ninety five. So. I'm gonna get it on there. That's just something I've just got to break down and do. I suppose we, we're probably get, we're almost out of the first uh, printing, and that's why I haven't been that big of a hurry. It's like well, we've only got like a box, a box or two left, but it's looking like it may go to two, so we may go ahead and put it on there. You know, you should. You really should. Have you thought about doing a sequel, a follow-up book? Well, I'm working, I'm working on them. Here's the problem. I gain approximately two pounds every time I write an article. Then I have to get it back off. And I gain two pounds. <laughs> so every other month is just about as much as I can stand. And so it's slowly but surely it's getting it. So we just have to wait a while. Eventually it'll come out. Okay. Either that or I'll be a heavyweight. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, oh, Angie. You Appreciate you joining us. Well, thank, thank thanks, you. Angie. Well, that was Angie McGee about her book, The Lighter Side of Endurance. She must be an absolute trip to ride rides with. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> She'll keep you entertained for 100 miles. That won't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun interview. Thank you so much, Karen, for putting that together. <laughs> we need to have her back. She was fun. Hey, yeah. uh, we have a listener question here who posted, just posted on Facebook. This is Rita, cute Rita the bicyclist, who says, can you ask Karen how the mileage is calculated? Is the lifetime mileage from their first CDR or only sanctioned rides? I assume it doesn't include training miles. For someone getting started, what would be typical in the saddle mileage for the first year, including training miles, or don't people track that kind of thing? I'm a bicyclist and always have mileage goal weekly, monthly, and yearly. I'm only just slightly goal-oriented. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, there's so many variables with that. AERC, for example, just tracks your miles in uh, sanctioned um, competitions uh, from 25 miles and up. Um, a lot of us do keep track, especially when we're first starting a new horse, of how many miles we do you know, per week or per month and per year. And it can vary quite a bit. I believe my horse, Chief, by the time I took him to his first endurance ride, he had probably logged about 800 trail miles. You know, that's in addition to the training in, in the arena and, and all that kind of groundwork and stuff. And that probably took me... Um, a couple of years to to get up to, you know, starting out with, you know, two to four miles at a time and then working my way up. So, you know, it can vary, you know, starting with an older, already experienced horse. You might, you know, start out, you know, riding maybe 25 miles a week, broken up into two or three segments. And, um, you know, so over the course of a month, you may end up riding, you know, 75 to 100 miles. So then you can see how in a year that can easily add up to several hundred miles. So, but, you know, a lot of it can depend on, like with what Erin was talking about, her season in the northwest re- region is shut down for the year pretty much until April because of the climate. You know, you know so um, where I'm at, I can travel down to Southern California 
and ride almost all year long. So, you know, there's a lot of variables. But, yeah, that's a really good question. And it is a good idea to, you know, um, I used to use little index cards in my barn, and I would always log my information on my ride, how far I went, possibly, um, you know, the heart rate recoveries and length of time, um, the distance and speed and the weather conditions. And then I would, you know, at the end, once I collected a few of those, I'd bring them inside and put them into a spreadsheet because, I, I'm also just a little bit goal-oriented. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. <laughs> that is a good way to do it, though. It really is a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's neat to see as you go the improvements with, you know, your, your horse's heart rate and, you know, how you build up <clears throat> build them up over time. It's kind of kind of a fun fun thing to do. Now, if you were a true geek, we'd we'd uh, develop an app for you for your phone, so you could keep track of all of that in your phone. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? I know it would. And nowadays, we have the heart rate monitors and GPSs that are integrated together, and it logs everything. I mean, it tells you what your horse's heart rate was, you know, it, in relation to the elevation and the speed and everything. So you, you know, there's. You can really get scientific about this if you want. Of course, back when I was, you know, starting my horses out, we didn't really wasn't quite that high tech yet. No. <laughs> no, you had a map, and you were you got it out, and you opened it up, and it's pouring down rain. You couldn't see it anyway. So. <laughs> uh huh. Pretty much. <laughs> well, before we get to the upcoming events, uh, I wanted to mention a couple of things. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Shirley who I noticed posted on Facebook that she is listening to the radio program for the first time in Japan. So welcome, Shirley. We appreciate you tuning in this morning from Japan. That's a lot of fun. Robert posted uh, that I should get my little po- my little rescue pony, PT Scooter, some yellow renegade boots to match my <laughs> new cart. See, my new cart that I ordered is going to be a metallic blue with yellow wheels. And Ooh, then we're going to get yellow rain. Yeah, and wow. we're going to get yellow reins and a yellow yellow pad for the harness. So, I, but the problem is the renegade boots don't come that small. <laughs> they don't make them that small. So Aww. we'll have to we have to find some other boots that they make them uh, small, tiny pony size. Um, I'll have to let them know. Maybe they'll work on some new sizes if people. Want. I, I will. I'll have to call them you up know? and see if they act, uh-huh. they might make them and just do special orders or something too. You know that sometimes that happens. But uh, I also wanted to mention that for all of the, we have a special offer for all of the endurance listeners who tune in to us once a month. We, every Wednesday morning, we play the Equity Wheel of Trivia, which means you give us a call and answer a trivia, a horsey trivia question correctly, and we spin a wheel here that's on my desk, and we have hundreds of dollars worth of prizes on the wheel, anywhere from carrots, breeches, to gift certificates, uh, to, to, uh, horse treats, just anything you can think of is on the wheel. And if you call in tomorrow morning, it's your first time calling, and you say that you're an endurance rider, we will put you to the front of the line because a lot of times we get 25, 30 callers. So we'll put to the front of the line anybody that's an endurance rider, give us a call, and we'll make sure you're to the front of the line and get to play the game tomorrow on the Equity Wheel of Trivia. You give us a call at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time at 347-637-3238, and we'll post that on our Facebook page as well. But I wanted to offer that out to the endurance riders tomorrow morning. 
That sounds fun. It is fun. We have a good time with that. And a lot of people win a lot of cool stuff. So uh, definitely do that. What's coming up? Upcoming events. I'm going to just cover a few rides. Um, The first one coming up is in the Pacific South region. It's called the Sacinta Anos Ride, November 16th and 17th. There's going to be an introductory ride at 25 and a 50 both days. It's in um, near Santa Barbara, California. And this ride is to celebrate John Park's 60th birthday. Ten years ago, he did a ride for his 50th birthday. So I guess it's safe to assume every 10 years he's going to have a ride <laughs> that we can go do to celebrate his birthday. <laughs> and um, I mentioned earlier in the show, we're going to be doing some seminars and demonstrations on the Friday before the ride. And I'm going to be talking about hoop boots and showing how to, demonstrating how to fit them, making sure you have a good fit and how to get them set up and adjusted. And then another seminar is going to be fitness for the aging endurance rider. And um, something that a lot of people I think are going to be interested in and might be something to discuss on the show in the future. Then the final um, seminar is going to be tips for new riders where John and one of the ride vets is going to discuss pacing and vet, how vet checks work and rider safety, which also may be another good topic for the show. So hope a lot of you guys can join us there. Um, another um, event is in the southeast region called the Blackwater Boogie, and it's the um, AHA 100-mile championship ride, November 15th and 16th. It's a 30, a 50, and on another day, a 25, a 50, and a 100, and it's in the Blackwater River in Milton, Florida. The southwest the region has... Yeah, is it? How close is that I, to you guys? I have no idea where Milton, Florida oh, okay. is. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you knew everything in Florida. Okay, Southwest. Oh, you know where it is? It's actually out on the Panhandle near uh, Pensacola. Yeah. Okay. Blackwater Boogie. Sounds kind of fun. Blackwater, though, could there be alligators? Sounds in it? smelly. <laughs> you're yeah, in Florida. You always have alligators. So <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, Southwest, we have lead follow or get out of my way at McDowell Mountain Park. (laughs) (laughs) November 15th, it's a a 30, a 50, and a 75. The Central Region has Polar Bear Run November 15th. It's a 25 and a 50 in Admire, Kansas. Oh, that sounds cold. I know. It's supposed to be really cold this weekend. They're getting down into they're having a real cold snap coming across the country. So it's going to be chilly on Saturday. Wow. Well, the the ride I'm going to this weekend in Santa Barbara is supposed to be 70 degrees and sunny. It's going to be <laughs> pretty nice. I'm going to enjoy that one. Um, all of these rides are on the AARC ride calendar, which you can find by going to aarc.org. And I just want to remind riders out there, December 1st is the new ride season. So if you're renewing or you're thinking about becoming a member, Now's the time to do it because you'll get the benefits of being an AARC member for the entire ride season. And again, AARC.org is where you would go to to find out more about the sport or get um, get your dues renewed or learn about the rides in your area. Very good. Thank you, Karen. Well, we want to remind everybody, 
that you can listen to past episodes of the Endurance Day. If you, if you missed the first ones, if you're tuning in today for the first time, just go to horsesinthemorning.com, and you'll see a complete list of all the episodes we do. Just take a look. Karen is always the second Tuesday of the month. So you can go back and take a look at the calendar, and you'll find her because we do our shows daily here, five days a week from 9 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, and they're all dated. So you'll be able to take a look at the calendar and go back and find the previous Endurance Days and take a listen. You can also hear us on our application, whether you're iOS or Android. Just go to the App Store and search for Horse Radio Network. All the different shows, we have 11 shows we do here on the Horse Radio Network. All of them are on there if uh, they're all a lot of fun. They're all very entertaining. So no matter what you're interested in, you'll find a show that that you'll you'll like, I'm sure. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning, and a lot of people did this morning. So we appreciate uh, everybody joining in the conversation there. It's a lot of fun to take a look over while we're hosting the show and see all the comments. And that's about it on my end. What are your websites again, Karen? Um, my um, blog address. Um, is easy, KarenChatton.com. And that's C-H-A-T-O-N, C-H-A-T-O-N, Karen Chatton. And I invite people to leave comments or send me suggestions for, you know, topics to talk about on the show or, or for me to blog about. I always like getting other people's ideas and, and working with them. I want you to get somebody from the driving, the endurance driving world on because I, I kind of have that in my mind as something I want to do. I don't really want so to do, do CDs. I'll tell you why I don't want to do CDEs is because it's just uh, I have to memorize first the dressage test, which will never happen, and then oh. when you get to the when you get to the to the marathon, oh my God, all of those gates and the ABCs and seven or eight different, <laughs> I'd get completely lost. I no, I wouldn't have any luck at all there. I figure an endurance ride that's or endurance drive that's marked, I can do. Yeah, I, I think it would be a lot of fun, and and we have a group here that's based right by me, and people, they just did a ride last weekend, and then they've got one coming up over the Thanksgiving weekend. So, you know, that I think would be something that would be really fun and and give our horses some variety of um, ways to work them, you know, that our horses love love to get out, you know. You think it's like the movie Ben-Hur where they all have spikes and knives on their wheels and they're all crashing into each other and stuff out in the trail. Do you think that's what's happening? Well, let's hope not. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be safe. Wear your helmets. Thank you so much, Karen. Until next month, we'll be back in December, right in the middle of the holiday season. But we'll talk to you again then. Be safe, everybody. Thank you to our sponsors, Action Rider Tech, Renegade History, and My Visibility Prop. Bye, Karen. Bye, Glenn. Hi, Karen. Hi, Jennifer.